0: My father, who's breaking his back and getting black lung, I can make as much as he makes in two months and one night by boxing.
1: Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn.
2: Hey, Brian Lally here, Hollywood native, and you're going to be watching... Kind of like being at a Steve Miller concert. The audience sings along. Hey, I'm wearing a festive summer barbecue shirt and long underwear. You figure it out. Well, I'm here with my partner in crime, as always, Scott Williams. Scott, who do we have on the show today?
0: Today, Brian, we have a great guest, Doug Cavanaugh.
2: Doug Cavanaugh, good friend, great guy. Doug started out as an actor. He's still acting now. He's in Pittsburgh as we speak. He is a boxing aficionado specifically Pittsburgh a lot of great boxers out of there and he's a surfer a surf instructor and he wrote a book on the amazing Butch Van Arsdale I mean he's amazing but he'd probably be the notorious Butch Van Arsdale one of the guys that started it all so stick around for SoCal native Doug Kavanaugh. what are we talked about in the car Is they We the car save it till we got here yeah all of it Should have wrote it down.
0: It was about writing, right? Probably
2: Bukowski.
0: Yeah, Yeah. Bukowski and the old writers about LA. Yeah, really knows.
2: Only with Tony, I only want to make sure we bring up that that, how how long it took him to get to class and how millennials don't do it or Gen X. That's all we wanted to talk about. It's the only we had Tony Montez in here. I called him up. So the only thing we want to talk about is how much time how hard it was to get to rehearsal, and we never complained. I'd go from the Valley to Venice, take me an hour. I didn't give a shit. You know, we'd go anywhere to rehearse, day or night. You know what I mean? He was in Long Island, took the train into town, walked in the snow to HB Studios. You know, it sounds like an old thing. Now, they, you know, we try to get a guy to rehearse. Hey, you gonna, you rehearse between class? I couldn't. Why not? I was tired.
0: Oh, my God.
2: I'm really? like, can you do it on the phone? Well, my phone, you know my earbuds i'm like dude you want to be an actor or not yeah <laughs> have you seen tiktok yeah
1: yeah they're in like silver lake
2: 000, huh? yeah,
1: they're in silver lake but Man. they won't drive over to the valley they
2: won't go to echo park
1: <laughs> yeah <for real>. Jeez.
2: <laughs> so that's the only thing i called him Said we had to talk about it's the only thing he was here 90 minutes we didn't talk about it we had a good talk but i'm just saying afterwards i was like that's the only thing we said is this Wait. an
0: actual phenomenon what? Nowadays? He's sure. Oh, my Oh my God. Bob yeah. Carnegie would have sent you packing. Yeah, but it's different now. It's different for Carnegie. It's
2: different for everybody. It's people just don't want to do it. You can't yell at them. There is no more three-moment game.
1: They've been safe behind the computer, Zoom and all that.
2: Yeah. Really?
0: Yeah. You
2: remember the three-moment game? Vaguely. The three-moment game is you would ask a provocative question, mm-hmm. and then someone would... Repeat it and best based on their intonation, you would work off them and tell them what they were thinking how they were behaving
0: mm-hmm.
2: And so I did this eight years ago, right? And I thought well, it's getting really politically correct You can't really say the shit you used to say you just can't say it to people anymore Yeah, and it kind of really hampers their progression because it's really important to say something nasty to someone and Have them take it in because you need to say something nasty for someone to be affected by it, All right? So there was this, uh, oh, what was her name? Oh, anyway, I I forget her name. She'll be mad at me. She was mad at everything. It was a Persian girl,
0: (laughs) right? She was (laughs) mad at everything.
2: So Bahara, and I get her up there, very nice lady, and I get her up on one side, and there's a dude. He's kind of a timid guy, but he's like 6'6". And this woman's like 5'4". And so I get her on the other side, and I go, she's not going to go straight for the shitter. You know, she's not going to the gutter immediately. So I go... I'll pick her pretty safe. You know, she's not going to ask him anything too, Uh uh, you know, too blue. So she goes, have you ever ever had a deek up your asshole? And I'm like, people in the class, they're cracking up. They're cracking up. So the chicks go up and they start firing at each other. They go, when was the last time you sucked a cock? Was it this week? So they're not, you know, they're they're not pulling any punches. They're not asking, have you ever? Uh They're like, I know you did. Was it in the last two days? You know what I mean? And so that was great. But it's just nowadays, unless they take control, it's like, oh, you can't say that kind of stuff. But it was funny. But again, this is eight years back. Things have changed. But these young women were just going nuts on each other. Just going, you're a whore. (laughs) Anybody ever said you're a whore? Anybody ever said I'm a whore? Seems like they have before.
0: Get thee to a nunnery. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to get people to rehearse, and you know, just demand it of them. You know, I tell people in class, I'm not going to put my foot up your ass. I'm not going to make you do anything, but if you show up for class unprepared, you're going home. That's it. That's my that's my hard edge. I don't need to yell at anybody and make sure I'm 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 you know angrier or tougher than kids. You know what I mean when I say kids. You know, I mean eighteen. Yeah. 24. I don't need to talk shit to them. I just tell them, hey, you ready? No? You didn't bring your assignment? Go the fuck home. And then if they do it a couple of times, they don't come back, you know, I mean, because it's important. Yeah. So, so when did you start acting?
0: Jeez, the moment I left the womb. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez oh wow when did i start when i was a kid you know junior high school you know junior yeah. high school theater and stuff like that and high school theater and yeah stuff like that it's yeah just, i was I... too
2: scared for that <clears throat> really get kind of envious tony was talking about last time about he wanted to do it like five and i always go to pacino what is it life on a wire bird on a wire his book you know pacino's yeah, autobiography yeah, yeah and it's like he knew at five you
0: know what i mean it's just crazy i, I did, did too i know i can't let's just put it this way i can't remember ever wanting to do anything else And Uh I can't ever picture myself doing anything else. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just knew I wasn't a fly-by-night. So you did junior high plays. Did you get into it in high school? I got into it a little bit in high school. I didn't get along with the drama crowd. They just seemed too artificial and faux energetic and just, Oh, hi, my name is, you know, too full of hand. You know, very Mm -hmm. kind of New York-y hand movement. What are you guys doing? -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just didn't buy it. So I stayed away from play production. Mm -hmm. I actually got drafted to do plays by the teacher who liked me. Uh, Mr. Duran, may he rest in peace. But uh, he was our uh, American lit teacher. Yeah. And uh, he liked me. And he I like to act. So he just sort of drafted me. Right. So, yeah. So I've, that's all I've ever wanted to do. I just was always amazed at uh, the way certain actors could completely arrest your attention because i didn't have a big attention span I mean, my brain i mean i have to wrestle it to the ground to get it to do anything that it doesn't want to do you know so if you could do that without me having to wrestle it to the ground i was very grateful so i could watch someone like marlon brando or we were talking about robert shaw guys Mm -hmm. like that who you just you know you lost yourself watching these people they just they chewed up the scenery they ate your attention it was great i'm like wow i hope i can affect people like that someday right get people really out of themselves and really into another happy good place where their imagination stimulated and whole new worlds open up to them not to get too flowery on you here
2: and were you disappointed when you couldn't do that
0: yeah i was crushed (laughs) so (laughs) absolutely crushed when did you gobsmacked when
2: did you start studying did you read about people did you read the mutant
0: king did you read i hated the mutant king
2: okay that's a fan letter that's
0: not a biography that's a fan that's a love letter to james dean i hated that book anyway i'm sorry there's my opinion for that. And that's fine. That's
2: fine. I, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how you started finding the path of studying or, or I finding My first your teacher
0: it was right out of high school. I studied with a teacher who did John Cassavetti's groundbreaking film, Shadows. Right. She was the star of that. Her name was Lelia Goldoni. She taught out of the White Fire Theater. So I started okay. going to her. And right she, on
2: Ventura? She, mm-hmm oh it's been around that long oh yeah it's oh i didn't know that a long time yeah. yeah
0: yeah so you know i was got that's how i learned about john cassavetes and the impact he had on directors and on actors and an improvisation right. and stuff and she studied under lee strasberg and you know of course you, you study with the strasberg people and all they do is badmouth the meisner people the meisner right. people badmouth the strasberg people dude
2: and how much did that hamper us how much did that hamper us listen to that fucking <clears throat> bullshit yeah strasberg has great exercises yes and to say that we had the only way, you know, it was the only way where we come from. Right. And you know, I don't want every every podcast to be bad mouthing because I, I met great people. I met you there. Yeah. You know, and we and we we had the same vision, we had the same point of view as how we wanted to act, how we wanted to study. And in Larry Moss's book, he talks about any teacher who says, I have the only way, is just trouble. Yeah. And he starts off thanking nine teachers or something. So yeah. Yeah, bad-mouthing. There was, no, there was no point because because of the emotional recall.
0: Is that what it was? It was lots of things, yeah. Emotional recall, just using your own experiences. Right. whereas Stella Adler, she was more of that advocate of using the imagination, sure. which I agree sure. with. I think it starts with Adler and Strasberg to be honest with, with the group theater, because right, she went sure. back and studied with Stanislavski and said, I, I got the way. Y'all are doing it wrong. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, easy there, shotgun. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, and, and <clears throat> Meisner followed her. Yeah line from Stanislavski, yeah. and Strasburg's famous line was, I'm not teaching Stanislavski, I'm teaching Strasburg.
0: Right. Right. But yeah. then you had Bobby Lewis, you had Kazan was I teaching. I love Bobby Lewis. Yeah, I every, wish there was
2: more on Bobby Lewis.
0: Right. There is a book. I read a book on well,
2: it. Well, there's there. books, but there's only one video I found of him. I'm sure yeah. there's something else out there, but... Yeah, he's Monty Clift, Montgomery Cliffs? guru yeah. meryl street yeah tommy lee jones i mean i didn't know tommy Lee. Jones. oh yeah oh wow yeah. yeah
0: there you go talk about keeping it real yeah those three right there yeah there's another voice from the group theater it's like who's wrong and who's right it's what works for you we're not here to serve this altar you're creating around this yeah. you know, this approach yeah not what interests us what works for you right. right bruce lee's way what works for you and what right. doesn't toss out what doesn't work for you right you, you know yeah. archie moore told cassius clay he was doing it all wrong well, what do you know? Heavyweight champion of the world, yeah. and he knocked out Archie Moore. Right, <laughs> so much for doing it all wrong. Yeah. I met him. I you.
2: met him on the corner of Beverly and La Brea. He was driving a Rolls Royce convertible Corniche. He had a gangster lean so hard he was driving, and he was a big dude. He was <laughs> driving from the passenger seat. He was this far. He was looking out of the passenger window, and I was just like, <laughs> "What's up, champ?" And he goes, "Hey." Ah. I said, how's it going, champ? Big fan. Champ. Oh. Ah. What was he on? Uh, he was just on, I guess he was on the early phases of uh, Parkinson's. So <laughs> he didn't know. Yeah, I met George Foreman on Pico in La Cienega. He was driving Excalibur. So that was Ali when I said, hey, champ, this is Foreman when he was in the, in the bad days. You Uh know what I mean? With the tough guy days, I was riding with a buddy of mine in a tow truck and we were going out, you know, hooking up cars together and he was in his car and I was like, hey, what's up, champ? And he was like, <laughs> and i was i
0: thought he was i thought his look was gonna push me out of the friggin he trip. was imitating sonny liston that was yeah his he hero. made him been. And that was his hero <laughs> oh really and they were stable mates yeah oh, wow when george came out into okay. the pros that was his first yeah so you started studying yeah under laelia and, and how just, old were you i was 18 19 okay. years old yeah so it was a serious acting class. There, yeah. she yelled and screamed and kicked people out and just it was it was old school Strasbourg, you know. Right. Strasburg was that way. He was a yeller and a screamer yeah. and just you know would humiliate people. And I got humiliated plenty, but but I learned a lot and I learned an appreciation for art. She taught me that and all of its forms. You know, she made me re- read Hemingway short stories. I'm thinking, what does this have to do with acting? Well you know. <laughs> you're feeding the well which i didn't know right she was right. like mr miyagi she wouldn't always tell you her reasons she said right. like, just read it yeah. yeah she was a sicilian lady so you didn't argue right you know but she had all these great stories about working with cassavetes and working you know she was in invasion of the body snatchers the right. remake, and just all these neat little anecdotes she would share with us so.
2: sierra madre so, invasion see. of the body snatchers that's where it was filmed downtown Sierra. oh madre. is that right yeah. oh okay didn't yeah. know didn't looks know. exactly the same one of those okay. places they haven't really changed
0: oh. oh and she's with scorsese in his early days. alice doesn't live here anymore right you know? wow she, so you know yeah, yeah. A taste of what he was like in his early days right so she's yeah she really well, instilled a lot of really cool stuff but then you know of course i went away though thinking that nothing matters but Strasbourg style and then i started learning other stuff you know i trained with um um uh, alan miller for a while you know he was barbara streisand's coach and stuff like that and he, he had some good stuff i like really liked his book on acting and ernie martin who you know knew meisner and, and i don't know that ernie oh yeah yeah, yeah he okay was ernie i trained with him for a little while he knew bob carnegie and bob you know, oh, I mentioned really? that's a bob and I was like, oh i like ernie yeah oh okay bob knew ernie he was married to Anne wedgworth remember lana from three's company oh sure yeah yeah see people just know her as lana and that's right. a shame very respected broadway actress really oh yeah she acted with uh, i think she's one tony she acted with pacino and there she acted with all of them they all know annie wedgworth oh wow she was fantastic that's cool yeah. yeah yeah but she talked just like lana in real life oh hi she had that breathy marilyn monroe voice and it was it was real it right, was, was right. The bells. but yeah, so i started with ernie martin for a while and and that kind of gave me a taste of meisner and then uh, i found playhouse west i don't even remember how but uh not just i i still think i had the shortest interview in history with bob carnegie right you had to audit a class and then you would have to talk to him afterwards so i'm waiting in line he's talking to each person for 10 15 minutes or i sat down i said i just kind of put my head in my hands i just want to get out of my head he puts his hand up he goes come back at this time and gives me the time and sends me away well like you're uh, in the right place right right and i knew i was so yeah and i learned a lot starting from
2: square one yeah
0: well
2: you weren't there glenn vincent was gone by the time you got there So Glenn was a, a good teacher for me, especially in the beginning. He was very honest. He made you be honest at all times. So where did where did it take you? Where did your you know theater?
0: Yeah, I films, did a lot of plays and stuff like that. You know, I did a couple little TV gigs that I'm not going to talk about because they're embarrassing. I mean, oh really? I, I won't tell you not <laughs> not online <laughs> Rump
2: pumper six no 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 nothing like that <laughs> okay.
0: nothing like that just stuff stuff that would make Save by the bell look like an emmy award-winning show silk stockings yeah there you go no <laughs> so you know just little things here and there but some theater which was a lot of fun i enjoy theater and um
2: was franco there when you were there early was were you working with him because yeah. you
0: guys did that punk rock play what was that called slam yeah yeah that was fun Especially when I slapped him in the nuts, and I, his girlfriend let out an audible gasp in the audience. <laughs> was he wearing? Was he wearing a cup? No, or he didn't no. expect it. It's just, it was a natural moment. I mean, I'm I'm supposed to be, he's, I'm supposed to be his idol, and I'm bigger and tougher than he is in the play. And at one point, he gets in my face like this, so I just kind of palmed his nuts, pow, and he goes, oh! and he, he collapsed into the corner, and his girlfriend goes, ah! like, yeah. <laughs> I forget the actress. She was in the office or something like that.
2: Oh, oh, oh. Marla. 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 Sokolov. Yeah. yeah. After practice. I, yeah. The practice. Yeah. That's it. Right.
0: Office practice. Mm-hmm. I walked up to her after I said, sorry to ruin his marriage prospects. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. She I knew like, that wasn't going to work when we, we would go up there. <clears throat> and I think she had, I think it was her, had a rack of guitars. And I picked up one of the guitars. He's like, I go, what do you mean? That was a Marla. So he's like, yeah, you guys can't come over here without calling. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking to? Yeah. And so that was short-lived. Wow. They had moved in together in the place up in Coldwater. Oh, did they? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh
0: yeah. Didn't know that. I mean, I like Marla. I mean, I didn't get to know her that well. So yeah. She nice. She was. She was nice. Yeah. She was a sweetheart. Don't but... touch her shit. Yeah. Just don't, don't touch your <laughs> shit, especially not her boyfriend's uh, package. <laughs> yeah. You know, I don't. I just. I felt bad. <laughs> it was really spontaneous. I just pow. Right. And you can yeah. hear. It. Yeah. <laughs> you hear her gasp like that oh yeah it was terrible yeah but we did slam and james came to he came to us about three weeks after me
2: oh really that yeah. close yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> very close yeah yeah, yeah. A decade younger than me and yeah uh, yeah i watched him rise up pretty quickly in the ranks right. you know next thing i know he's on an episode of pacific blue remember that show getting sure. his sag card with yeah. Rick I'm and like, oh, that's cool i used to love slider from top gun he was cool, cool. and right. roxanne yeah <laughs> So, yeah, but he, yeah, about three weeks after me, and we had a lot of people in that class. A lot of good a lot of So good that people.
2: was 25 years ago.
0: Yeah. It was 1996, October of 96. Yeah,
2: because he, tw- he was 19. Yeah. He's 44 huh. this week. Weird,
0: huh? week. Yeah. Weird how fast time goes. But, yeah, that was a great class. That was a really good class. Mm-hmm. I think Marley Shelton was in that class, too. Remember, yeah. remember Marley? Sure. Yeah, she was mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. she had a weird energy that just translated really well on stage yeah you couldn't take your eyes off her either it's like what is making her tick right it's real but i don't know what it is right <laughs> i still like watching her right And you know, wasn't she a famous uh wasn't she in some was, was it a what, what's the movie about the, the sandlot wasn't she in that wasn't she the lifeguard it was the lifeguard that all the kids were enamored of do i have the right movie i'm not sure i'm not sure eh, we'll marley shelton
2: the sandlot or something who was who
0: was the uh who was the uh lifeguard that they were all just smitten with the guy No, oh, it was a girl <laughs> oh it was a girl i
2: thought you were going to lifeguard with sam what's his name sam elliot yeah remember sam that, <laughs>
0: that was, was it called malibu beach
2: did he had a mustache then though no, right, he always had a mustache he had a porn had mustache he had a porn yeah, he had a dark mustache, yeah. i'm slowing the draw here yeah it's okay never mind the man behind the curtain <clears throat> we will he's not doing anything scott is a genius scott really is he can he can do just minute... asking right okay hold on he can do many many things none of them fast <laughs> we can edit out all this nonsense well, where i'm screwing up we will edit this out it is marley isn't it yeah grand canyon no Lifeguard role, babe, Wendy Peppercorn? Peppercorn,
0: that's it, yeah.
2: Peppercorn.
0: So the Sandlot's like a, that's a a cult film. Everybody loves the Sandlot. Right. Yeah, Wendy Peppercorn, everybody knows that name except me. I couldn't remember. Peppercorn. Yeah, Marley was something else though.
2: I remember when she was hitting on me. I was like, dude, I don't date lifeguards.
1: (laughs) (laughs) She was at playoffs? She was, yeah.
0: She just had this really interesting energy. I don't know, I can't. I can't even explain what it her affect was. It was just so like an alien creature who's looking at you like you're the alien creature. Mm-hmm. So she kind of turned it on Before you. Before she uh. throws
2: a lawsuit on me, she did not hit on me. <laughs> <laughs> just, um,
0: her not her outwardly. She, she was really good. Yeah, Yeah, yeah she was talented. So, yeah, we had a lot of Shawnee Smith, remember her? Sure. She, she came a little later, I think. Yeah, she, well, I think she'd been back and
2: forth, I think. But she came in, I wanted to work on the Shrike with her. And I said to Bob, I want to work on the strike with her. He goes, is she right for it? I am go, take it easy, partner. That's your fucking child. Man, Brian.
1: You know what I love doing? Yeah. I love tapping that subscribe button.
2: Mm. I love it too, son. And just like all your dates, I tap it last. But nothing's as good as this button.
1: You see Brian here? He's not always doing the best. Financially, mentally, physically, for sure. You wanna help keep Brian off the streets of Hollywood? There's a way you can help. Join us on Patreon. You wanna tell him what we got on there, buddy?
2: Yes, we have the general admission, we have the backstage, and we have the VIP all access pass. So please join today. I'm due for a bath.
1: In the arms of <laughs> an angel,
2: away from here. The shit that man used to do, you know, to try to intimidate people, or he was so scared that somebody was working. But she was on the fucking uh, Ted Danson show.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what was that called? God,
2: I'm forgetting everything. Yeah. But she was... I'm surprised she didn't get an Emmy for that. She was so fucking good
0: in that. Remember her in uh, the first Saw? Remember she had the oh, she was in all the of contraption them contraption around her mouth, right? To blow her mouth open. But she so, was in four or five of them, three yeah. or four of them at yeah, least. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, She, she did a Ted good job.
2: Danson, Doctor, Doctor Ted Danson show.
0: Okay, remember how Bob used to ride Ted Danson for the? You mean physically? We got, we got, no, we got <laughs> ten years to save the earth. I yeah. had like this chart, this clock. Well, Ted, we got five years yeah. four three years, Ted. Three <laughs> years to save the earth. You say it's gonna blow. Yeah, that's it. What's <laughs> that
2: show? That's the one. <clears throat> Becker. Becker. Becker.
0: Okay, yeah.
2: Shawnee Smith was phenomenal in Becker. Yeah. I don't know whether it ran five, seven seasons. She should have got a fucking Emmy. Yeah. Nobody could have played that part no, she like she did. That.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But another one that was fun yeah, you to watch. Know from the song she movies. had you she know what shows, right? One thing I thought she yeah. would have been perfect in was that. Remember uh the, tra- the w- train doesn't stop here anymore. The Tennessee Williams one about the little abused girl on the train tracks. No, I don't know that. It's one. on 27 Wagons Full of Cotton. Oh, okay. Yeah, the train doesn't stop here anymore, I think is what it is. I,
2: I, this is just a whole that. show about things I don't remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I bring them up. Shawnee <laughs>
0: yeah. Smith on <in> that show. <laughs> um, <whoa. laughs> yeah. So, did you start writing plays? Not in writing plays. Uh, I've written some screenplays that haven't been picked up yet. Hint, hint. Right. everybody's listening. No, it was more like journalism and short stories and uh, stuff like that. Biographies, histories, like esoteric history stuff. Right. Like kind of out of the way history stuff. So I just, I've always loved writing and reading. So, just kind of came out. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so but uh, I'm still looking to act. And it's okay. Like I said, I, I always want to do that. But, um, but writing is something I can do and doesn't require anybody else. So, right. And so I do it.
2: Right. You know? And everybody else is happy about that. <laughs>
0: so you started writing you were studying
2: acting and pursuing acting work yeah. but then you started writing you start with just
0: articles articles actually boxing history if you can believe that boxing and organized crime you know the irish always, yeah the there you is. go it always fascinated me organized crime and stuff like that you know in those scorsese movies we right. grew up with you mm-hmm. know you got to love that whole new york thing so So yeah, I mean, I was friends with Ike Williams, who was the lightweight champ in the 40s, who was uh, controlled by Frankie Carbo and Blinky Palermo, the mob, basically, you know what I mean? And he's living in this horrible roach-infested place over on 5th and Pico, it was just awful, you know, just the squalor he was living in. But he would tell me stories about that stuff, and I knew him for several years, and one day I sat down in front of one of those old typewriters, you know, those old-fashioned typewriters, and just started hammering out an article and... Freelance submitted it to a magazine about Ike, how the mob ruined him, but he helped break the mob and they bought it. Wow. Well, 300 bucks. Wow. Yeah. All right. 1993, 300 bucks. That yeah. would take me a long way.
2: So I'm working at Jerry's Deli and there's a boxer in there. Should have been a champion <clears throat> boxer in, in there and he's, uh, he doesn't drink and he doesn't like drunks. Uh oh. And he's sitting there, and there's a guy over by, this is the the old bar, Jerry's Deli, when it was separate. There's a guy uh, standing by the television right by the door to the bowling alley, and he's loud and he's drunk. During the day, he's like, yeah, you know, he's a boxer. And this guy's playing Pac-Man, the boxer, and he's like. <laughs> <laughs> and the guy's loud, and he starts talking about Golden Gloves. Well, this guy was Golden Gloves champion of uh, the United States. All right. No, you know who it is. I'm just not saying it yet. Okay. And so he gets up and he goes over to talk to the dude. He's like, So you were Golden Gloves? He goes, Yeah. He goes, uh, what year was that? And he goes, Well, you know, I've been in there for a long time. And he goes, but you're a champion. And this was Randy Shields. Oh, probably. and Randy Shields was the Golden Gloves champ of the United States. I think mm-hmm. it was seventy four. And he goes, What year were you champ? And the guy goes, 1974. And Randy's still at welterweight. You know, he's probably not more than 165, which is, but, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying he's not fighting. So he's he's thin. About 5'11", he's thin. And he just got a look on his face. And this guy says, 1974. He goes, do you know Randy Shields? He goes, never heard of him. Randy takes him, hops him. This guy's probably 5'8", 200. Randy pops him up over a table into the corner of the booth. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, No, you right. weren't. And he didn't swear or anything. He wasn't like that. Randy wasn't he didn't drink. He didn't swear like the ladies, but he puts this guy up and over, and I come out from behind the bar. And I'm like, Randy, Randy, go, man. You gotta get out of here. He goes, Did you hear what he said? I go, I heard what he said. I saw what you did. You better get out of here. And I said, I'll take care of it. And Randy split. And the guy, guy gets up. I mean, he was out. The guy gets up. He's like, Where'd he go? I said. Well, he took off. He goes. Oh, ran away from me, did me? I'm like, buddy, you almost <laughs> died. You all. It was the '80s. You know who cared? Right. Do you right. know about Sonny Shields, Randy's dad? No. Mm-mm. He was a collection man on the Jersey docks. I mean, a real collection man, like like uh, like Rocky was supposed to right, be. Right. Right. And so Sonny would come into bars in back when Pats on Riverside was a was a rough fucking bar. Riverside and Little Canyon, everything's so pretty nowadays. That was a bad bar. Yeah. The stop was like a biker bar. That was on Wits at Moorpark Park in Studio City. They were rough fucking bars. So Sonny didn't drink and didn't like drunk. So he'd go into bars and he'd just start throwing down with people. He would just start he would just go in and he wore Sansa Belt, polyester up high, and a wife beater. And this guy was fifty and he was fucking yoked. And I'm in I'm in whenever I see him coming to Jerry's come, he'd come looking for trouble. I, he would come in, and I'd just open up the beer, cool it, yeah, we need eight cores, we need, uh, you know, and then I'm standing there, and he walks by these three young dudes at the table, right, there's three of them, and they're not small, and he fucking punches one dude in the jaw, the chair goes back, punches another in the chest, and they're like, what the fuck happened, he said, he tripped me, he tried to trip me, and they're like, dude, we didn't do anything. And, you know, he looks at me. I'm in the beer cooler. Uh, three cores. We need a couple Coronas. To, what's that? Brian, do you see this? Uh, no, Sonny, I didn't. I, 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 was, I was looking in the beer cooler when you come uh. in. And he was like, yeah, these dudes tried to trip me. I said, not a, not a good idea. Not a good idea. But he went all around the valley, you know, into his 60s, 70s. Wow. Just throwing down on dudes in bars. He was nuts. You don't have those people anymore. I mean, they go to jail. You know, it doesn't happen. But that was like the old valley. That was crazy. And he was out of his effing mind. And Randy didn't do that kind of stuff. But Randy was the kind of guy that would be in a movie theater. And he would, uh, and kids would be talking and something, kids, young people, they could be in, in teens, 20s. And it could be 10 of them. And he'd stand up and he'd go, excuse me. You have to be quiet now. They'd be like, what? He goes. You have to be quiet now, and for some reason they're like, "Okay."
0: There was weight behind those Dude. words. Yeah. Oh, jeez. He
2: didn't. And then story about him is he was at four and twenty on Lower Canyon, and he had got a bodyguard's uh, license, a permit to uh, carry a gun, uh, and so he was he was working on screenplays. He was trying to write screenplays this time. He's at four and twenty, and two dudes come in to rob it, and he's sitting, you know, not too far back. So they pull guns on people. So, Randy pulls out a gun and shoots one. Then oh, a guy shoots him. And then he shoots back at the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have those shootouts in 2022. Oh, you know what I mean? Jeez. I think that was the 80s, might have been early 90s. I'm going back... to look that up in
0: the newspaper archives. Oh, that's yeah. Pretty intense. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, oh, yeah, it was a big deal. That will be in the newspaper archives. Yeah, yeah. I guarantee. For sure. Right now, I'm lo- trying to look up a name, I'm trying to remember of uh, this, uh, what the hell is his name?
2: I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pass that on to you. No, 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 that's beautiful. No, forgetting names. I love it.
0: Oh, forgetting names, yeah. I know. It's all I complete, yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Keep talking, I will find this in just a second.
2: Keep talking, whoa, this. keep talking, go, grease, lightning, uh, burn. Tony Shuko,
0: on. that was him. He was a, he was a fighter from uh, Boston. Right. And Ronnie, who I used to work with at uh, Robano's yeah. when I was bartending over in silver like said tony was kind of punchy you know was later in his career and he was bartending and stuff i mean he wasn't bartending he was uh bouncing and they wanted to fire him you know what i mean because he was getting punchy he says you kids gotta come and you gotta help me you gotta come there and start a disturbance he says start a disturbance and i'll break it up and you'll make me look good okay okay fine but ronnie's the one of guys you're setting yourselves up here he's gonna he might hurt you sure <laughs> shit. they go there <laughs> he knocks every one of them out shards of teeth everywhere. I mean, knocked them all out. He kept his job, but these guys all ended up getting hurt. And Ronnie's like, I told you. I told you. He's punchy. He doesn't know how to hold back. <laughs> he beat the piss out of these poor four, four guys. So, yeah. Oh, yeah that's what I said
2: about Jake Lamont. He used to have to walk <clears> in the street because he walked down the street just, you know, walking into people.
0: Yeah. The Bronx Bull. Yeah. Oh, God. Boxing movies can be really good, you know, if if they're done right. You know, if like they're done right surfing and boxing surfing hasn't been done right yet boxing has you know big know.
2: wednesday no good
0: it's all right it doesn't withstand the test ago. of time in my opinion yeah, yeah it uh, seems very dated it's not timeless yeah you know i think it just you know the problem with surf movies is they try and explain surfing and they ended up sounding stupid mm-hmm. don't try now, and if, describe you, if you had surfing. A,
2: if you had a surf movie what would that be about
0: oh i think you already know should i plug my work
2: that's what we're here for. Okay, right? I'll we're plug here, my well, we're here to talk about how you got into writing. You started with articles, and now you now you've written how many books?
0: Uh three, two, and one that hasn't been published yet. All right? Okay. Be soon, but uh, the book I wrote is on Butch Van Artsdale, and he was the first Mister Pipeline, and the bonsai pipeline, you know, from Blue Crush. For those of you who are more modern, Butch he drank himself to death at 38 right. years of age, and but, that. But, the guy got that got me fascinated in him you know it's like how do you drink yourself to death at 38 you're going full time you know
2: now was so, he going with jerry lopez at the
0: time jerry was like his grammy jerry oh. jerry yeah i mean jerry was butch was jerry's idol oh okay you know, jerry was like the third mr pipeline butch was the first okay he taught laird hamilton how to swim the north shore of oahu you know who did butch, butch oh, oh yeah. Wow. yeah butch was like a lot of mentors first lifeguard on the north shore with eddie i a drinker, partier, fighter, part of the Wind and Sea gang in La Jolla, and drank himself to death. But um, just really interesting story, sort of like a Big Wednesday, Animal House meets Leaving Las Vegas. Right. That would be Butch's. Story. And
2: where was he born? In, uh, La Jolla. Okay. Well, he
0: was born in Norfolk, Virginia. He was an Army right. brat, but he, uh, or Navy. And uh, yeah, they moved to uh, La Jolla Pacific Beach area back in the day, in the 40s. So yeah, he was part of, you know, just a lot of kids that grew up without fathers. Their fathers were military men, so they kind of looked to each other to- <laughs> right, role model each other so when you have a bunch of cavemen on mm-hmm. the beach role modeling each other and learning it's just a one big wild party I and mean, there's so many anecdotes i mean just his story who, was just crazy
2: who are the Ooh. dudes now in the south bay that are out of their fucking minds that are you know how they go home fucking beating
0: people up a lunata bay you're talking about palos verdes gang yeah yeah is
2: that them that, that, they're just no those are just
0: thugs those are just spoiled rich punks no no well, that's you,
2: not the way look dude I, when i was working at shithole we were doing a video, a surf prank video, and we go in and there and I don't know if that's the dudes they're talking about, but we go into the surf shop, we're down in Redondo, I think, mm-hmm. and we're in a surf shop, and we're getting some stuff, and they start talking about those cats, uh-huh. these guys who work there, and they're not saying bad things about them. they're saying they're crazy, they're tough guys, right And then on our way out, they go, "Hey, hey, hey, don't put that in." And we're like, "What do you go? don't put that in?" No matter anything we said about them, dude, just don't put them in, put it in. Wow. So, I don't know if that's a catch you're talking about. No, no. This is this is in the
0: 50s and 60s. I'm talking about right there. now. Oh, yeah. I'm talking
2: no, about no. these guys who are down there right fucking now.
0: Oh, if they're getting away with it, I'm pretty surprised because nowadays they're setting up cameras, they're busting people left and right. You know, well, that, that surf thuggery thing that used to be around, it, it, it doesn't fly yeah. really anymore. And they, some guy okay. tried about it.
2: You know. D- dude, this is six months ago. Really? They, they okay. were, dude, they were straight out like they were talking about the mob.
0: Wow. Interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know about it. Yeah. You know, no, this I'll was La Jolla down, down, down in the 60s and 50s, and those guys, they were pretty wild. You couldn't get away with that stuff now. Right. You know, But back then, it was pretty pretty wild. Right. But uh, Raquel Welch was a cheerleader when Butch was playing football at La Jolla High School. Really? Yeah. yeah. She yeah. was the same, same crowd, yeah. <laughs> the La Jolla crowd. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So did he become a pro surfer? There was no such thing back then. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, that didn't start until like the mid '60s, and he was very against it. Uh, gotcha. The whole when, when contests became the norm instead of just something he occasionally did, he was very much against that because you know it just made the a, what the oceans your practice gymnasium now. We mm-hmm. all have to clear the water because you got to get your practice in. Screw yeah. you. So now when longboards and beer became shortboards and psychedelics, he was out. Yeah, you know, but that was kind of the problem. He took he he liked the recognition he got as Mr. Pipeline, and he enjoyed being a star surf star. But then overnight, you're a dinosaur. Mm-hmm. you know so it was sort of like losing his family in a way yeah so his drinking increased and right. it just it got really bad he got very disillusioned but I mean, he had a contract with uh po- the red sox or the po- red sox wanted to you know sign him and he, mm-hmm. he was a great baseball player but he decided to be a surfer instead mm-hmm. so if you're gonna be a surfer you know when it goes pro go for it but he, yeah. he didn't and but he became a lifeguard saved a lot of lives mm-hmm. it's more important yeah but it couldn't save his life unfortunately yeah but it's, it's a really fat. make a great movie. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's sort of like Animal House meets Leaving Las Vegas. All right. Uh, nice. So, yeah, we'll we'll see. Have yeah, you but, seen uh, Lords of Dogtown? I did. Yeah. I thought that was
1: pretty, yeah. pretty well done. Yeah. Keith Ledger wait, and that. Wait, yeah. the
2: movie. See, I have a problem with that because <laughs> I knew Lun- Lunata Bay Boys. Is that who you mm-hmm. said? Yeah. Yeah, in, t- in 2016, Newsweek called the Lunata Bay Boys America's Most notorious Surf Gang. Yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. Maybe we should cut it out. Maybe they're coming <laughs> after me. So the thing was, I knew Skip. You know what I mean? I used to go down there. I got my Zephyr skate from there. We used to go down there. And I was a teenager, and I'd ne- I didn't grow up at the beach. You know, I know Sean Penn talked about he knew guys like that who did Spicoli, but I didn't really. So Skip was the only guy at... at uh, you know, at uh, Zephyr, the skate shop, Jeff Ho's place. He was the only guy that that I knew that talked like that. So we used to go down there to wind him up. You know, he'd be working behind the counter. We'd go, skip, skip. The waves down there, man, they're like six feet in, in curling." And he'd be like, no, no way. Tubular. <laughs> I'm stoked. So we'd never seen anybody that talk like that you know what i mean at that time we were young we were fucking teenagers we go in there and just wind them up dude you ought to see it down there there's guys and they just got yep. tube no way excited, huh? yeah oh, I, but and i don't know i didn't see the whole film you know the documentary is is much better but um you know i love heath ledger you yeah. know so what I mean? his
1: voice wasn't I this dude this,
2: he, well this yeah. dude was out of control man we used yeah. to go in there and, and wind him up and he was he was cool he was a good guy never gave us a hard time but we just you know we're kids we were kind of messing with him and he would just go he'd just go nuts no, no way i'm stoked so um lingo. yeah <laughs> so you did interviews with friends for the book
0: oh that's all i did yeah right uh, i took seven years to put yeah. that together i took yeah. years yeah half the people I interviewed are dead so was he innovative Butch? He, oh, yeah, yeah. switch stance. He would do the switch stance, right. right, left foot forward. Oh, yeah, he was a power surfer. He, yeah, he was the first guy to be doing switch stance and playing around on big waves and just, yeah. He was a phenomenal talent. But again, the alcohol kind of cut that short right. half for years. you know, It was his talent in the water and uh, his his color outside of the water is what makes him such an intriguing figure. Everybody who was around then has a Butch story. That's one thing I learned. Everybody has a Butch story.
2: So where did he find the big waves and, and I'm not being an idiot. I mean, back then you didn't have the people that would come before you. I mean, right. we, you know, Mavericks and we know the, sure. the there's a movie now and everything. Right. And, and of course the billabong series and all that, you see these, they just, you know, honestly just scare me to fucking look at them. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Laird Hamilton with his fucking hydrofoil and, you know, getting towed out on, uh, you know, jet skis and stuff. Yeah. So where, where do you hear about this when you're, when you're his age, you know, and, and there's no, there's, there's no media that's telling you, Hey, there's a 40 foot wave.
0: You remember Joyce Hoffman? Yeah. Very star surfer. One of the first great women surfers right. in the sixties. Her dad, Walter Hoffman was a big wave rider at Makaha back in the fifties. Okay. The early pioneer gang of big wave surfers. Okay. Walter Hoffman took a picture of Butch's friend, Jim Fisher, mm-hmm. who's still alive today. He was at my last book signing. Uh, Fisher riding a Makaha monster wave. That was, I mean, and, and it got passed around in la jolla this picture and they couldn't believe their eyes you know they thought that they didn't even know waves like this existed makaha and they hadn't right. even seen waimea yet right you know makaha the bull about to swallow fish or he looked like a little cartoon figure right there. they couldn't wait to get over there and challenge themselves because you know wind and sea beach down in la jolla it's like a hawaiian wave and it's great training ground that's why so many of the great early big wave riders were from la jolla that area mm-hmm. So they saw that and they just couldn't wait to get over there. So Pat Curran, Kern, Tom Curran's dad, okay. he led the Meat Hall Gang is what they called them, all on the North Shore of Oahu living in Quonset huts, just stealing chickens and pineapples and whatever else they can get a hold of, coconuts, to stay alive. You've been watching Brian
2: Lally, Hollywood Native. Now I want to talk to you about something I'm really passionate about, and that's teaching acting. So I co-founded Lola's Acting School with my son, Kyle Lally, Lally or Lally Acting School. I've been acting for uh, a long time now of 100 plus credits on IMDb, hundreds of plays I've been involved with over the years, and I just want to share that experience with you. What we do differently here at Lola's is we give you practical advice that you can use on a movie set, on a play, an audition, anywhere. We give you the foundation to build yourself as a great actor. If you come to us, you don't know anything, We can teach you everything you need to know to be comfortable on a a set and to excel. Don't just listen to me. Look at what our students are doing. Daryl Wesley, who is writing on two hit shows, The Game and The Upshaws, and Ben Barrett, who is a series regular on The Politician, Megan Davis, who is uh, playing Amber Heard in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard story. Come check us out. We're at the Historic Arc Theater in the NoHo Arts District. You ever want to try plant-based eating? I have. What, you're a little confused, overwhelmed? You don't know how to get started? Definitely. Well, there's a simple answer to that. Go to Debbie Chew's Chew On Vegan YouTube channel. Debbie Chew is a plant-based RN. I've known Debbie for over 38 years, and she's very good at what she does. You go to the channel, and there's 300, over 300 recipes. They're simple, easy to make, and they're delicious. If you want to try it, you just might get healthy. Give it a shot. Chew On Vegan.
0: And surf these huge waves that they didn't even have the equipment for. I mean, they had the plane, right. like made up like this table, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, they they ate and a they lot. were all
2: long boards back then. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's all they Short had. Short
0: boards weren't for another fifteen years, right? Yeah, you know, they didn't. You didn't have guns, as they call them, the big yeah. wave guns. All you had is these planks. So they were getting crushed. Yeah, but they, but they a lot of success too. Oh yeah, you know, what I mean, and then the North Shore, that that was Makaha, then the North Shore and stuff like that. Uh, later on in the fifties, that's mm-hmm. when a Waimea and pipelines started to get ridden in the early sixties. So, yeah, it was it was all pioneer. And there was no, not only was there no jet skis, there was no lifeguards. I mean, when you were out there, nobody even knew you were there, really, unless right. you were friends with you. Right, right. You should be out there all by Christ. yourself. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, why may I can go from 15 feet to 25, 30-foot closeout like that, and you're you're in trouble. Yeah. Now what? Yeah. You know, there were surfers who were stuck out there all night. Oh. You no. Know, and had to paddle in miles. I mean, just who almost lost their life, And some did lose their lives.
2: Yeah. You know. No, I told you when we had some of those body surf contests at Zuma, and there are 10 foot swells and 15 foot faces. I'll bury you. Yeah, I know. And I told you the first time you go 3 it's 3 uh spin around 3 times under the water and you're like, I may never, never get up out of yeah. here. And those guys are under 2 3 minutes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, did they practice holding their breath? You know, you see it in movies nowadays, you know, really really holding their like you got to be able to hold your breath for 3 minutes to ride these waves because you're going to be under for what could be forever, but I, what I wanted to say is when they were talking about, they were out all night, so I'd go out and I'd get a wave or two, and then I'd go out beyond the breakwater and I'd just, I, just tread water <laughs> for 15-20 minutes, and they'd be like,
0: Lally was out there forever. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> I, was, I was hiding. I was hiding. Oh, I don't man. want to come in on that. Well, you got to train now for like Jaws, these 60 foot, <clears> I mean, we're, we're, this is all new league now with jaws right. and nazare and chopu and all those places yeah you got to train for that but for why man stuff you got to be in good shape obviously but these right. guys surfed every day it's what right. they did so they were ready for it right you know you were ready for the hold downs you knew how long it was going to take so you know they didn't do any special training just they, they were watermen they swam they snorkeled they dove they did everything they were always in the water
2: did they call them logs back then that's all they had so uh, they just called them surfboards
0: yeah <laughs> probably just your board you know yeah started off with the big redwood boards that would give you a triple hernia. Oh, my the, God. Yeah. And they got the balsa boards with the, yeah, that, that took some of the weight off. But, yeah, it was, it, there was a big evolution happening. And, and like I said, then the short boards came and the whole whole mentality changed. I mean, like I said, it became short boards and psychedelics and peace, love, and hippie stuff. And Butch mm-hmm. wasn't into that. You know? Yeah. He just
2: what year alive. did he die?
0: 79. Okay. 38 years.
2: So ago. so we had a group of kind of rabid followers. They uh um, oh, yeah. They they dug him. Did he, almost like uh, John Coltrane, did he kind of uh, alienate people because he was so pure to what he was doing and maybe other people wanted to do, uh, get into what else was going on, contests and, and short boards and, you know
0: interesting question no i don't think no because he's really popular with people i mean he was a fighter and when he got drunk he could get mean but for the most part he's really popular with everybody everybody liked butch he had a great personality
2: was he a teacher was he enthusiastic about bringing people along
0: oh yeah yeah he would show people the lineup and stuff like that and yeah like i said he taught laird little laird how to swim the north shore not drown right yeah he's really into it you know jerry and jock and all those guys jock sutherland yeah he was he was really it, it was they turned their back. It all the scene turned its back on him. If you were either on the cutting edge, or you were, you know, you, were out. you, were, yeah. you were out. You're either in or you're out. Right. That was it. Mm-hmm. And Butch was still into the longboards. If you had, don't even come to us with longboards, we're into what's happening now. Yeah. I mean, Butch could still surf pipeline with the best of them up to the early '70s. You know what I mean? But he was. He just wasn't into those, you know, Jerry Lopez lightning bolt boards and stuff like that. He was a dinosaur. He was considered a dinosaur. The ones that made the transition were like Joey Cabell and Paul Stroud and guys like that, you know, Corky Carroll right? Or Corky. Those guys all transitioned. Mike Butch. Purpose. Purpose, yeah. Although he was never really a longboarder, he was always sort of a, yeah. he was a flashy guy, wasn't he? purpose he was like the only californian in the early 70s that can get any ink everything was hawaii back then yeah. and purpose was so flashy he could get people to pay attention to him and clark gable's stepson bunker spreckles him. yeah yeah he, he made a he made quite a splash
2: so that was his stepson he married stepson. he married spreckles. spreckles she had already the, had kids uh yeah and yeah. he had but he had john clark gable who was that with
0: i don't know oh. i'm not sure a bunker, so, I mean obviously came into a lot of money between Gable and the Spreckles right, sugar fortune. Right. I mean he just had more money and too much time and he's gotten I think I think he got killed by a speedball, if I'm not mistaken. No. In a,
2: Trying to yeah. chasing John Belushi.
0: Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Now what
2: about the Florida surfers? Florida surfers,
1: yeah. Uh we got good waves, but usually only when a hurricane gives us a little mm-hmm. little swing by. Yeah. But um yeah, I grew up surfing, but out here. It's just been too cold and inconvenient. But I need to get need to get back out there.
2: That doesn't sound like a pussy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was gonna ask what are you with uh six four, six five. Six four, six what, five. What yeah. do you what? Uh two thirty. Pussy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what about the sharks?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of sharks, but no sharks that'll really kill you. you might get your calf bitten off. But what? out here y'all y'all got great whites and no No, I've never seen one no I've been
0: 25 years I've never seen one I mean they're out there I'm sure I've never seen one
2: that's the craziest thing when Jaws came out and we were going to the beach every day (sighs) and people were like I'd never go in there again we never stopped we never did not go in the water not the next minute not the next day we went in every single day and Joe's like how can you go back in there Jaws I go everybody we've been we've been body surfing here up and down from the wedge to Ventura County line our whole lives and no one's seen a shark Right. I'm not saying that, that they weren't there. Right. But but you know what I mean? People are like, Don't go in the water. I'm like, I'm gonna go in the water tomorrow. What do you yeah. it was crazy.
1: Yeah. There was but, a video recently of an Australian swimmer got bitten in half. Australia.
0: Yeah. Australia, South Africa, San Francisco. Don't surf in these places. Yeah. <laughs> or don't swim there, don't scoop it You know, just be extra careful. Those are the three hot spots. Yeah. So up in Frisco and down here, you know. Well, it doesn't yeah. happen knock on wood yeah but it doesn't happen yeah you know like i said 25 years and i've not seen one mm-hmm. that's not true i saw a dying thresher shark one time in the malibu lagoon okay and that's a deep water shark It's yeah. not a man eater. so yeah. but that was i it. told
2: you when i was a kid we used to see the sand sharks at zuma yeah they'd just be swimming along around
0: your feet oh well, they're your friends because they're eating the damn stingrays and keeping you from getting stung so yeah. you were gonna ask me a question a minute ago um i was gonna ask I piped did, in. Lally's did, the, uh,
1: did the skateboarding <laughs> uh the rise of skateboarding um, or was that after, uh,
0: his time? Oh, uh, that after was after. Butch. Okay. Yeah. That was after. Okay. Uh, that's early 6 so I'm well, Bertleman, Larry Bertleman. that mm-hmm. was another disciple of Butch. He you know, he, he loved Butch Okay, and knew, yeah. him, knew him well. And he was a little, little kid at the time, little Grammy. And yeah. Butch was always encouraging him in contest. Even though Butch hated contest, he'd watch Larry and go, I like what you're doing because it's individualistic. You're not conforming to what these judges want. You know, the Bert move that mm-hmm. Bertelman came up with. Yeah. Butch loved that. Yeah. I just sent Larry a free copy of my book. I just talked mm-hmm. to him on the phone about two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, oh, pretty cool. Um,
2: 5 Summer Stories plus 4. Oh, jeez. I never see that anymore. We used to go to Santa Monica and watch it a couple times a summer. It would come out at the theaters. I think it was 26 in Wilshire, and they're long gone now. But back then they had this section, I don't know if you remember, this called the Magic Rolling Board. And these guys were going in pipes, not half pipes, they're going in pipes, you know yeah, what I yeah, mean? Yeah. But it was a crazy shit like we'd never seen before. Like right. I'd never seen before. Now the guys from Venice were doing it, and I saw those guys like at Kenner Avenue School. I saw Peralta and those guys, Jay Adams, Tony Alva. But but uh, we only saw them on the banks and stuff. You know what I mean? I didn't know about the pole shit, and I think I told you I never I never went to Ven. I mean, I went to Venice, but I told you a story where, where I was. Um, there was a guy I was playing basketball with at Santa Monica College. His name was Sam, a red-haired guy, and he was like a legend. Uh, you know, a Venice uh venice basketball courts legend and so i went down there i was in venice one time i saw him you know i said hey what's up and he was you know just tearing people up on the court and i remember i was like you know do you think he's gonna play like major college ball and they go no man you can't you can't box him in." so that's what he was but he had a buddy named doug i think his name was doug had hair like all the way down his back and they were venice locals and so they're on the wall you know they were standing on the wall down you told me this yeah. yeah Yeah. And so I go down, and I see Doug standing there. I see this guy. We're playing ball at Santa Monica College, like, all the time. And I see this guy. So he's with the Venice locals. On him, got to be 20 of them on this wall, and they're fucking smoking, drinking, whatever. And I start walking up, and he turns around, he sees me, and he goes.
0: Shook his head, huh?
2: And I, and I turned around. I know exactly <laughs> what that fucking meant. You know, you ain't welcome here. And I knew him and I saw him later on. He's like, Hey man, don't come by the wall. I was like, I I got caught the the drift, man. Yeah. They would have fucked me up just for walking to the wall. Jeez. It was nuts.
0: It's one of the things I don't like about, I mean, they say surfing is a tribe and stuff, but I don't like tribalism. I don't like localism. I think it's ugly. You don't own the water. You don't own the beach. Knock it off yeah you know i mean that's just guerrilla mentality and right I, I never i could never abide by that yeah you know i hate it i think it stinks
1: yeah yeah it's growing fun. up we served Ponce inlet which is like uh daytona beach area and yeah it was always fights breaking out like yeah. stay off the peak like there's was like a set area for yeah, the,
0: yeah. the main guys. No, they get territorial, like yeah. they own it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I understand yeah. respecting people who've been there more than you are, who are there every day. They're kind of your surfing elders. And yeah, you respect them, but don't, you know, I didn't come here to watch you surf. I came yeah. here to surf, and I'm going to catch a few waves.
2: Yeah. Do you know Dylan Perello? I oh, know. Huh? Okay. He just really retired. I think he's about 30, 31, went back to school. But his, his mother is Karen Bartek, who's Steve Bartek's sister from. Uncle Boingo, Danny Elfman's oh, okay. partner in crime for, you know, many, many years. Anyway, he was, uh, they used to live in Latigo Bay. So he'd be going out, you know, Kyle went over to hang out with us, my son. They were probably like 10, 11 years old. And, and Karen used to cut my hair. She did she did hair for Once Upon a Time in, in Hollywood. I mean, oh, she's done yeah. a lot of big jobs. She's really fucking talented. Been doing it a while. But so we kind of went down there I said, I'll bring Kyle down and hang out with Dylan and so I'm getting my hair cut and we look around I was like, where's Dylan? He's like ten years old, 11 years old. He's paddling out, man allowed to go back you know and he was a professional he just he, he was he was sponsored he, he he traveled the world man, surfing just recently uh, went back to school. I'm like, <laughs> what kind of young kid is that man He's a surfer a wild fucking professional surfer And he's like, yeah, I'm going back to school.
0: Wow. You know, surfing—that's one thing I like about surfing. It's really good for actors, for artists of every stripe. I think because it just gets you out of your head. Mm-hmm. You know, it really does. It gets you out of your head and just yeah. gets you into the moment. You know, yeah. I mean, we live in a time where we're just constantly—we're either worried about the future or we're lamenting the past. You know, one is anxiety, one's depression. Yeah. The only place you're safe is the present. So yeah. that's—you know—surfing keeps you there. Yeah. For it's—it's it's kind of a resting. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> i miss that I'm yeah sure you don't have any other
1: nothing else on your mind while you're out there
0: yeah i mean i used to work in a psych hospital i liken it to a psych you know patients at a medline. you know what i mean when, mm-hmm. you, when you see people fighting out there and stuff like that it's like this is their prozac this is their you know yeah. medication and if you know there's too much competition you're denying them you know it reminded me of the patients i saw in the medline, line at the psych hospital where's my mad they start going aggro and going crazy it's literally identical yeah <laughs> the lineup in the water and the medline at the psych hospital <laughs> It's incredible.
2: So when Butch was drinking towards let's say the last 5 years of his life, was he was he wearing down physically?
0: Yes. No, noticeably? Yeah. He was. He got demoted. He was a North Shore, he was the North Shore lifeguard him and Eddie Icao and he got demoted to the to the uh to Waikiki. Talk about a blow. Talk about losing your identity being complete. What happened was, I mean, he in the early set he his you know, his wife left him because he was drinking too much. A girlfriend left him cuz he was drinking too much. Finally he got involved with AA and he was doing great for like, I don't know, over a year. I was just talking to one of the lifeguards about Yeah, he was doing so good. He was healthier, he was looking good, and then his friends all started dying. Eddie I cow disappeared and drowned, you know. You know that story about Eddie I Cal? Yeah. He drowned, Uh, Jose Angel drowned, who was another famous big wave rider. Just all these friends started dying and it just it just put him on his final bender. You know. Next thing you know, he's yellow as a banana peel, and then he's, he's dying in the Wahiwa hospital. So, yeah, it was the deaths of friends. He just couldn't. It was one, two, three. All these close friends were just dying, you know. Yeah. You
2: so, know, I've said it recently. I'll probably say it a lot on the podcast. It just seems like people like that gave all they could. Yeah. And he was done. Yeah. You know, he led more lives than, than most people.
0: My life seems boring. When I read about it. Yeah. Everybody has a Butch story. I doubt everybody has a Doug story, you know, that I know. Yeah. A few do, but
2: right.
0: I mean, I couldn't put them all in the book. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that's, he was kind of done. And he used to say that, I'm done. I don't care. They, you know, the doctor told him, if you don't stop drinking, you're going to die. Oh, well. Well,
2: I had a friend who did that in recent years. guys probably been more than five now, but yeah, I had a friend who did the same thing. He just a dude, man, just a buddy of mine. He said, and he had some fungus on his hand, and they were like, "Yeah, if you stop drinking and take this medication." He's like, "That ain't gonna happen." Mm. And he died that wonderful life that so many people do. They drink themselves to death. They found him days later in bed, being eaten by bugs. You know, bugs on him because they find their way in. And yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah. And anyway, so you know, we always like to end on a uh, on an upbeat. Uh, Scott, are you here? I, up. I would say no. <laughs> Something happened. The inmates are running the asylum. They are. Yeah. We had so many more yeah. subjects to cover, too. Yeah. So you think Why that, just didn't... Go ahead. go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, you think his drinking was just that surfer beach lifestyle, or you think he had some... Some oh, he had some, uh, Much deeper roots. Yeah, he was yeah. an
0: abused child. His dad was uh, a real yeah. SOB and beat gotcha. him up when he was a kid. And, and today they probably diagnosed him with some sort of major depression. Mm-hmm. Major depression, yeah. yeah. Half those guys, like, they, someone told me it was like Craig Knoll, You know, the bully. He said it was like someone took Bellevue Psychiatric Hospital and dumped the inmates there at the beach at Wendons. It was just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Real interesting story that we were talking about Jaws. Remember the story of the USS Indianapolis, sure, you know sure. what I mean, where the ship went down and the sharks ate everybody uh butch's uh butch was part of the duke kanamoku surf team the manager was was kimo mcveigh who was also the manager of don ho the hawaiian singer his father was the captain of the indianapolis yeah so i interviewed him about six months before he passed and he he was telling me this story and it was was amazing i couldn't believe it you know he committed suicide himself captain mcveigh did because he couldn't take the People writing every Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas, we would have a better Christmas if you hadn't killed our son. And you know, he just couldn't take it anymore, so he put a pistol to his head back in 68. But He didn't like the adulation? No, not at all. Jeez, yeah. But he's been exonerated since then. Right. And the Japanese uh, commander that, or admiral that torpedoed him testified at his court-martial, defended him. Didn't do any good. They needed a scapegoat for all those dead, dead servicemen. So but, well, that was really interesting. Was he, he was getting blamed for the, evacua- for like getting, the cause evacuation. getting, because he didn't do it. There was a the thing ship. back then, which is now outdated. You're supposed to do a zigzagging motion if you're in enemy. Serpentine. Serpentine motion. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you know he didn't do that, so they were saying that's the reason these guys were dead. Well, the admiral said, "I would have gotten him anyway." The Japanese uh, admiral said, yeah. "I would have gotten him anyway. I wouldn't have helped him. Yeah. They didn't care. They wanted a scapegoat, and yeah. they got it. Yeah. Very that's sad. That's a shame. Fascinating story. Scott, how yeah.
2: long we've we been going?
0: Uh, we're just about probably an hour or so so yeah if you want to keep going a little longer or close talk about la authors (laughs) oh
2: shit yeah i mean we could we could say we could do a part Mm. two we could do la
0: authors Uh, i mean guys we can do uh the boxing stuff we can do whatever we want whatever you guys want to talk about. what are you working on right now uh tales from tower 13 which is you know where i work i work with troubled teens teaching them how to surf and um so I've got a lot of beach tales mm-hmm. <laughs> that I've accumulated over the years. So I'm working on that in another boxing book, mm-hmm. um, you know, boxing history, like I said, fascinates me. Cause it's, it's, you know, even as an actor, it fascinates me because you learn how much different things were for immigrants. You know, they came here cause they wanted to escape what was going on in Europe and they come to West Pennsylvania is where I focus my, my attention, like Pittsburgh, especially. And you know, you have Hungarians and Czechs and Slavs and Poles and Irish and Black, everyone coming here for a better life. And um, they're in coal mines and they're in factories and foundries and stuff like that working these these backbreaking jobs. You know, Pittsburgh was an industrial town, but a lot of enterprising young men saw, you know, I can make as much much as my father who's breaking his back and getting black lung. I can make as much as he makes in two months in one night by boxing. So you yeah, have the South Side Polish, they had their boxer, you know. With the North Side Irish, they had their boxer. You had the Hungarians from Garfield, they had their boxer. I mean, every neighborhood had its fighter, and they would get together in this raucous, you know, converted church or uh, sometimes an office building. Sometimes they'd pitch a tent, you know, out yeah. in the woods and stuff under lantern light, yeah. and have boxing matches, which it were was illegal. like the Pikes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Most of them were Irish. If you look at all those early champions in right. the turn of the century, they're all Irish. And then when they moved out of the ghettos, it's the Jews and the Italians. Then they moved out, and it was the Blacks and Latinos. Now you're seeing the Eastern Europeans. Yeah. But yeah, but that's so that's I, I like to write about that because really, it, it tells the it tells, it's not just a story of boxing. It's a story of you know the, the different ethnic groups, the waves of ethnic groups that came here and mm-hmm. stuff like that.
2: Substance. And how you can make a better living?
0: Yeah, yeah. One night, you know. At first, the parents were just adamant against it. No, that's bestial. That's terrible. And da 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 da. The next thing you know, the money starts rolling. They're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your Dad me. doesn't have to have black lung anymore. <laughs> yeah. You might
2: break your violin hand, Joe.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Harry Greb, the who I consider to be the greatest pound for pound fighter of all time, his father spanked him. So don't you dare. You know, Teddy Arrows, his dad burned his boxing gloves, and these guys all ended up being providers for their families. Or they did he usually pay, pay his dad for the spanking? <laughs> Jeez,
1: here we go. Did you, uh, <laughs> did you enjoy the fighter, the Wahlberg, okay. Christian Bale? Who, who oh the brothers. fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah sure, yeah, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, that was really yeah, good. Yeah. Like I
0: said, if you find a good angle on it, I like it. I thought I th- when they first said they were gonna do some you know, Ron Howard was gonna do Cinderella Man, I was like, Oh brother, because yeah. I knew the story of Jim Braddock. I'm like, What are you gonna tell? Yeah. What do you okay, he was down on his luck and blah, blah, blah. They did it. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a great movie. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. It was
2: too. Man. All right. We're gonna wrap it up, I guess. Uh that's kinda that's my segue. Uh-huh. Was okay. that smooth? Uh-huh. I guess uh-huh. we're going to wrap it up. Oh, thank you. Uh, I guess. But no, but we're going to have you back because it was a fantastic day. Thank you. Uh, love the surf stories. And we're going to come back. We're going to talk about boxing. And we could okay. talk about L.A. writers. Because nothing I love more than Los Angeles and yeah. being, being born and raised here. And uh, I'll tell you about why I didn't get into Bukowski for so many years. But Ham on Rye may be the best book that I know on Los Angeles. Yeah. So uh, anyway, can I plug my book? uh, You can plug your book, your website, whatever you'd like Uh, to plug. My book. Let me say thank you. How are you coming out today?
0: You're welcome. Great. day. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. You guys made it fun. Um, But my book is Remembering Butch, the Butch Van Artsdalen story. Remembering Butch. It's available on Amazon. It's an oral history. I mean, there's some of my text in it, but mostly it's the guys who were there telling the story. Mm -hmm. So you get to hear firsthand. It's great because it kind of insulates me from any sort of. Harsh criticism, because yeah. I've had some people say, oh, that's not the way it was. I'm like, really? So who's your argument against? Yeah. You got 100 yeah. people here who say otherwise. Yeah. You know, yeah. Everyone thinks their own narrative is the narrative. So yeah, so it's called Remembering Butch, the Butch Van Arts Arts-Dalen story. And uh, yeah, there you go. hopefully we can get a producer to, to uh, make this into a film, because I yeah. think it'd be a great one. Like I said, surfing has not been done right. It's been a joke so far.
2: I think it would too. We got some people looking at it, as you know. You know, hopefully it'll go somewhere there. But, any, do you have a
0: Instagram or...? Yeah, well, I have a uh, Facebook page for it called Remembering Butch. Mm-hmm. And I also have one for my Pittsburgh Boxing History page, which I think people will, people will be surprised. Even if you're not interested in boxing or interested in surfing, I think you'll like both those pages. And what is the Pittsburgh page? Pittsburgh Boxing History. Okay. Yeah. And it's based on my book, Pittsburgh Boxing, A Pictorial History.
2: Do you have an Instagram
0: I do. I do have for the boxing one. I don't for Remembering Butch, although I think there is one. I think his daughter runs the Remembering Butch one on Instagram.
2: What's but. the Instagram for you? Do I get to pull this out of you? What Yeah, you guy? do. Well, Pittsburgh, <laughs> boxing. Pittsburgh, boxing. Okay. Pittsburgh <laughs> boxing. Pittsburgh <laughs> Boxing, same thing. Pittsburgh Boxing. Pittsburgh Boxing. You got TikTok? You making dance videos?
0: Uh, you know? <laughs> no, never. Never. I, uh, I have a problem with social media. I don't like it. Uh, you know what, dude? I don't like it. Yeah, but you're, it's the world we live in. Yeah. For business, uh, it's fine. Well... For social, I'd rather be here talking with you guys.